Good morning. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Good morning, Hazel. It's good we can be here. Let's pray. Lord, thank you we can be here gathered in your name with all the saints worshiping you, loving you, praising you, singing to you, and coming to your word together. Lord, speak again to us from your holy word. Amen. God's word is good. Good for us. We've been going through Genesis. I forget if you know what number we're at, but anyway, we're getting to the near of Genesis. Um, and uh, we have actually an interesting section this morning. One chapter. Well, maybe one chapter and a little bit. A sneak into one chapter, second chapter. Chapters 48, especially chapter 48, and maybe, depending how the Lord leads, a little bit of 49. We come to a point in, we're talking about, uh, actually we're talking about Jacob and Joseph, father, son, and uh, we come to this place in chapter 48. Um, The scenario is, for those of you who haven't been with us, Joseph, the son of Jacob, who is the head of his household, has been in Egypt for a while, he's now Save the world by having an economic plan. And uh, he saved his father's household as well from starvation, from the famine. So the whole family is now in Egypt. And they've been there for some time. Joseph is still the administrator, carrying out everything for the sake of Pharaoh, keeping Egypt alive and the whole, basically the whole world. Jacob now comes to the end of his life, and Joseph hears that his father is ill. So Joseph goes to visit his father Jacob with his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. What's striking about this chapter is how Jacob, because Jacob now becomes the prime person again, how Jacob takes this opportunity at the end of his life to bless his family. And so we look at this blessing. He's blessing his family. You could say he's blessing the next generation. Jacob is ready to pass on, and he desires to give the next generation You might say a future. You know, this week, I got a little packet in the mail from my brother. And uh, in it are documents of my great-grandfather's will and other documents concerning his estate And it's interesting to read because my great-grandfather died in 1930. Any of you who knows 1930, that was the Depression. And my grandfather purchased his 
my great-grandfather, which actually was his father-in-law, he purchased the farm in 1931 for $12,000. And you know what? He paid too much. Ten years later, he sold the farm for $11,000. Times were tough. Really tough. But you know, all that is just the physical thing. When we come to Jacob, he doesn't talk about his estate. He doesn't have a will as far as, you know, this piece of property goes to that person and this piece of property goes to that person. No. Jacob, at the end of his life, he blesses his family in a different way. And I think this is something for us who are parents or even grandparents to really consider before the Lord. How do we bless our next generation or next generations? Okay, let's begin. In Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter on faith, it says here in Hebrews eleven twenty-one, by faith, when dying, Jacob blessed each of, his son, each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. I find this verse really striking in that Jacob blessed his sons and grandsons worshiping. Jacob's whole focus here is, yes, I'm ready to die. I want to bless my grandsons, but I am worshiping God while I do this. This is a divine transaction. This is a transaction with God. I am worshiping God while I do this. Very striking. So let's now come back to where it happened, Genesis 48. And as, as uh, Joseph brings himself and his two sons to Jacob, the Bible says Jacob roused himself up, strengthened himself, sat up in bed, and then he says, Jacob said to Joseph, God appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, And blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will give you of you a company of peoples, and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. The first thing that Jacob deals with is I want to let you know about God. And I want to let you know about God's appearing to me. God appeared to me. And not only did God appear to me, but God gave me some promises. I live today based on my past experience of what? God's appearing and God's promises. What strengthens me today, what gives me hope is God appeared to me and promised me Gave me some promises. Now, okay, you could say, in one hand, they're material blessings. Yes. 
the, the promises in the New Testament that God has given us are not material. They're spiritual blessings. And in likewise, we should say, we should be able to say, along with Jacob, to our children and to our grandchildren, God appeared to me and promised me, gave me all these promises. Yes, they're past, but that's how I live today. By God's appearing and by God's promises in His words. So, then if we go a little bit further, in chapter 48, verse 15, then he says, and he blessed Joseph. I really like this few verses, chapter 48, 15. And he blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. That's the beginning of his blessing. And we cut it off in the middle of the verse. Why? Because I want to point out to you three things in these verses. Jacob said, the God... First of all, number one, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. I am following God. And I'm also following the God who was the God of my father and the God who was my, of my grandfather. This is not merely a family tradition. No, God is real. God was real to my grandfather. God was real to my father. And God has been real to me. I told you, he appeared to me at Luz. God is real to me. And this is the God I am blessing you, my children and my grandchildren, with. This God. Number two, this is also the God who has been my shepherd all my life long. God has been shepherding me all my life long. What of you? Now, let's face it. Probably when Jacob was not so nice to his brother Esau, you might say buying, purchasing at a really good bargain, the birthright and this and that. Probably at that time, Jacob had no sensation God was with him. But I believe the longer we live, and those who are older in this room have been believers for a while, I believe all these people, all those people, and myself can say, God has shepherded me all my life long. Amen? Yes. yes. God, I look back now. In the process, we may not have seen it. But now I look at it and say, yes, God has shepherded me all my life long. Second thing. Third, the angel. Now, this is interesting because this phrase really could be translated the angel of the Lord or A with a big capital A angel still is actually the Lord. The one who redeemed me from all evil or kept me from all evil. 
What is this? This is a man, Jacob, who has had an intimate, experiential relationship with God. God is real to him. God is experiential to him. And this is the God he blesses with. Jacob is not giving a religion to his sons. Jacob is giving a living God to his descendants. He has a view that his children, his descendants, need and should have, and he this kind of a God. He wants his children, his descendants, to have a continuation of the same kind of God. Then, what's also very interesting is uh, Joseph has two sons who were born to him in Egypt, right? These two sons are Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, I just want you to understand this picture because we may not think this way. Joseph, after getting out of prison, was made basically second in command in all of Egypt, right? Even it says to the point he became like the father of Pharaoh. I don't know how that can be, but anyway. Joseph is an extremely important person. Very important. And actually, from the biblical record, It seems Joseph is more important than Pharaoh. But Joseph is not. Joseph is an extremely high official in Egypt. You think about that. He's like royalty. Except not by birth, but by earning it because of who he was. I don't know what other kind of position we have today who could be comparable. But he is extremely, extremely important. He has two sons. Obviously, he's living in a palace. His two sons are living in a palace. Now, you think about this. Because of Joseph's position, don't you think the future of his two sons is bright? Bright? Kind of bright. Optimistic, at least. Lots of hope. Okay. Now, listen to this. These two sons are there with the grandfather Jacob, and he's blessing them. And then he tells Joseph, Joseph, your two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, they will not be my grandsons, they will be my sons. They're mine. Just like Reuben and Simeon are mine, Manasseh and Ephraim are mine. Their children can be yours, Joseph, but Manasseh and Ephraim, they're mine. They're basically elevated from being grandchildren to be children, to be sons. Not only that, not only that, in verse 16, we continue verse 16, it says, The angel who redeemed me from all evil bless the boys, and in them... Let my name be carried on and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. 
What's to be their destiny? Their destiny is not to be in the palace. Their destiny is to be numbered and put together with God's people, the nation of Israel. That is their calling. Their calling is not to be some high official. No, their calling is to be part of God's people. That is my blessing for them. My blessing is not for them to have a wonderful career. No, my blessing is for them to be part of God's people. How about that? This is Jacob's view. Instead of being in the palace, they are to be separated and to be included with the other sons of Jacob who are what? Shepherds. Despised by Egyptians. Refugees. To the world... This is a loss. To God, this is a gain. Then, the next thing that Jacob does in his blessing is he remembers his wife, Rachel. This is actually very, I would say, very interesting, very tender, very sweet. We know for Jacob... Rachel was the love of his life. At this point in time, when Jacob dies, it's been nearly 50 years since Rachel died. Think about that. Nearly 50 years since Rachel died. And his feeling about Rachel is still strong. He treasured his spouse. Treasure your spouse. Treasure your spouse. Speak well of your spouse. And some have said that because of his strong feeling for Rachel was another reason why he wanted to take Joseph, the son of Rachel, his two sons as his. Jacob had 12 sons. And there are 12 tribes in Israel. Mathematically, something's peculiar here because he's taken up Manasseh and Ephraim. So Manasseh and Ephraim actually are part of those 12. Then what happened to the 13th? That's the tribe of Levi, which didn't get a land allotment. Anyway, the point is, Rachel's Portion, you could say, if you, t- if you consider the 12 tribes of Israel, Rachel's descendants got one quarter. Three out of 12. As opposed to getting two out of 12 because Rachel actually only had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. But it ends up that Joseph got two portions, double portions, which we will come to in a minute. Okay, Joseph, sorry, Jacob, coming back a little bit. Jacob remembered the past. Not that Jacob is going back to the past. No, Jacob remembered 
God and all his promises in the past, what God did and what God promised. He looked at the past, but he also looked forward to the future for the sake of his descendants. And he looked forward with hope and with expectation. Let's look at uh, God's blessing of a bit more, God's bless, or Jacob's blessing of Joseph. Okay. If you know this whole matter of the firstborn, the firstborn was to get a double blessing. Jacob's firstborn was Reuben. However, Reuben didn't get double portion. Joseph got the double portion. And he got the double portion by having two sons who were elevated to become the sons of Jacob. So uh, we have a verse reference here from 1 Chronicles chapter 5, 1 and 2. Uh, so this is much time afterward. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. So this is in, in uh, Chronicles, we're going through genealogy. Okay? But there's a little insertion here. Reuben was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's couch, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that he could not be enrolled as the oldest son. Though Judah became strong among his brothers and a chief among them, yet the birthright belonged to Joseph. So Joseph was elevated to become the firstborn. Thus getting a double portion, which was given as his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Does that make sense? Yes. Good. Hope you're not lost. Hope I didn't lose you. You know, so we have this picture. Uh, Joseph bringing his two sons to Jacob for a blessing. And uh, this is kind of interesting because, you know, Joseph... This, this whole matter of birth order is a big thing, obviously, in that time, time period, time frame, that culture. So Joseph brings his two sons to Jacob. Now, Jacob is old. And he's blind. He can't see. So he doesn't know which son is which. He just even said, Who's a, who, who's a, who are these two people? He says, they're my sons. Oh, okay, okay. This is Manasseh and Ephraim. I just, I can't see them. I just know they're there. So Jacob brings his two sons Sorry, Joseph brings his two sons to Jacob to be blessed. And the whole principle is Jacob would use his right hand to bless the older and his left hand to bless the younger. So Joseph makes sure that this will happen and brings and puts the eldest here, second born here. And Jacob goes... And Joseph says, no, 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 no. And Joseph, uh, Jacob says to Joseph, I know what I'm doing. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yes, the firstborn will be great, but the secondborn will be greater. I know what I'm doing. God often breaks convention, does he not? We have these verses. When Joseph saw his father laid his hand on Ephraim, it displeased him. He took his father's hand to move it to Ephraim and said to Manasseh. Joseph said to his father, not this way, my father. That's so far. Verse 19. But his father refused and said, I know, my son. I know. He also shall become a people. 
he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. And if you look later on in the book of Numbers, Ephraim, the secondborn, had a larger number than Manasseh. So, you know, this is, you know, this secondborn, firstborn thing. This is not the first time this happened, right? Jacob and Esau also happened. Ishmael, Isaac also happened. Seth, Abel, and what? Cain, Abel. Actually, the thirdborn was what? Seth. Seth became the prominent one, not the firstborn, Cain. God loves to do things in his own way. Now, don't think that this becomes another principle. That means, oh, I don't, I don't want to be the firstborn. I want to be the secondborn. Don't worry. God will change that too. God's not bound by some firstborn, secondborn principle. He does what he wants to do. He just especially likes to do what we don't expect. And so, I would say this. You know, many of us meet in small groups. And... Um, you know, sometimes in a small group, someone who doesn't speak that often may have a point that nobody else ever thought about, nobody else ever considered, but that point becomes a treasure you walk home with. So, just a little word for those who lead small groups. Don't be overbearing, but also encourage all to participate because you never know who has a wonderful portion that needs to be spoken out. Okay. Just a little side issue there. Okay. <clears throat> now, just a little <clears throat> dip into chapter 49. Jacob also blesses his 12 sons, the 12, his other sons. And uh, what's interesting there is he blesses them based upon who they are. And so sometimes his, actually you read it, you wonder, is this really a blessing? This looks more like a condemnation. <laughs> Why? Because it's who they are. And God and Jacob gives a speaking on each one. In that section, basically what's really striking is there's two of the sons that stand out in that blessing. Number one is Judah. Judah gets a long blessing. And it mentions there that Judah would become a ruler. There would a ruler come out of Judah. And nations and peoples would bring tribute to this one. So actually, Jacob, without knowing it, is prophesying about future descendants of Judah who would be a ruler... On the one hand, that is David, the king. Yet the real fulfillment actually is Jesus. He's the one who descends out of the tribe of Judah. The second person who gets a long blessing, and that is Joseph. He blesses him and, in a sense, sets him apart from all the others. Okay, let's come to our last point, and that is to us. How do we bless our children and our grandchildren. You know, I'm a grandfather. Wow. It's wonderful. But 
And I know there's others here who are grandparents. But let me ask you the question. As grandparents, do we have the thought, are those grandchildren just for our enjoyment? Or do we consider those grandchildren our responsibility that they would be given the God who we know and experience? As grandparents, it's easy Let's face it, it's easy to be a little selfish. You know, they say, what is a grandparent for to spoil the grandkids? Actually, no. The grandparents are there to give them God. Parents as well, obviously. But as parents and as grandparents, what are we giving our children? What are our priorities? When you look at this record in chapter 48... What do we give? Actually, there are three things. Actually, really, there's only two things. But anyway, we're going to put three things on the thing here. God. What's striking in this section is God, family, and we put on career, but even career is not really here. Maybe in a, in a subsidiary way with Manasseh and Ephraim. And actually there, Jacob is changing their career to be for God but as parents as grandparents what do we care more about are we do we have this thing upside down is God our first priority do we keep God in our own life as a priority, as an example to our children. Is God first? As an example to our children, that God is most important. You know, the striking thing is, at the end of someone's life, rarely are they concerned about their money. When people have regrets at the end of their life, it's not usually, did I, why didn't I make more money? That's pretty, if, if there's that kind of person, then they're really foolish because they can't take it with them anyway. Usually it's more, I wish I would have had more time with my family. So, in this record in chapter 58... Number one is God, the God who appeared to me, the God who promised me, the God who's the God of my father and my grandfather, the God who shepherded me all my life, the angel who kept me from evil. That's number one. Then number two, I want to give you this God, taking care of the family by bringing them God. Blessing them with God giving them with God. And I would say this lastly, when our children get to a certain age, we bless them by letting them go with God. Do you know what I mean by that? Letting them go with God. The Bible says a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. 
What's really wonderful is if the parents can bless their son as he's leaving and entrust him to the God who will shepherd their son, their daughter, all their life, just like God has shepherded me. Children are not ours to hold on to. Children are ours to bless and send out with God and entrust them to the God who will keep them. As children, we should follow our parents' godly example. We all know we make mistakes. Maybe our parents made mistakes. If you want to focus on that, well, go ahead. But how about instead you focus on the godly things of your parents? Learn from the godly things, the good things your parents did for you. Follow that God. Especially if your parents were believers, treasure that. Follow and say, Lord, I want to experience God just like my parents did even more. I want to be able to say, the God of my father, the God of my grandfather, that same God who shepherded me all my life long, that same God who kept me from evil, that's the God I want myself, and that's the God I want to pass on to my next generation. Let's pray. Lord, you are a living God. You are a real God. Lord, we pray for each one in this room that we all could experience you in such a an intimate and relational way. And that we could pass on this same God to our next generation. Lord, this is the best blessing we can give them. Money cannot do this. Careers cannot do this. But God, by your grace, we can do it through experience of you. Bless each family here as they endeavor to hold you first in their life and in their family. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We have a few announcements. Sorry, a uh, little more than usual. Number one, on your bulletin in the front, there's this uh, little thing about outreach. This is kind of a, a follow-up from last week, what Nigel shared about being a blessing. Um, we encourage, poss- if possible, some of the small groups can work together to pick up some burden to labor together in caring for people in whatever way they are able, okay? Now, I don't want to read the whole thing, but if you can read this note, basically this is about an information session for people who want to know more about uh, the refugees that come to this country. They need help when they arrive in many, many different aspects. One way, we can, we can, one way to serve and bless others is to help them. This is an information session on November 7th. There's no commitments yet required. This is just to let you know if you want to go, find out more information, please read this. You can contact Nigel about this to um, follow up on it. Number two announcement, okay? Uh, Next week, next Sunday at 10 o'clock, we will begin a new class, okay? Nigel has a class here in this room. The apologetics class, which we have been having for past number of months, today was the last session. Next week, we begin 
another class called Essentials. We have done this before, but this is a class especially for those who have been with us for a shorter period of time, maybe a year or less. And uh, basically what this class is about is, as a Christian, what are the essential things that we need to believe in to be a Christian? So it's kind of important because it's a, it's a foundation to our Christian faith. It's kind of a little bit before apologetics, but it's very helpful because then it can help you in the whole apologetics thing. What do I, what do I believe? I need a handle on this. So next week we will begin that class, and I believe we will use the far room over there, the boardroom with a big long table. Okay? That's second announcement. Third announcement is... Next week, we begin at 10 o'clock, not 9.30. It's the first Sunday of the month. It also happens to be time change. We get an extra hour of sleep. Don't groan. (laughs) Unless you forget, and then you'll be here in good time. You'll hear about it next week. It'll be in the newspaper. You'll hear about it. And we also have lunch next week. Okay? Last announcement. Some of you may have remembered uh, about January, February of this year, when we were going through Peter, uh, we got stuck for a few weeks on the matter of marriage. And uh, some asked specifically that those messages would be printed. So we have prepared a little booklet. Uh, They're not exactly verbatim messages. They were edited and improved. So this little booklet is at the back in a box back there. You are free to take one. If you feel it's worth anything, you can put some money in the offering box. Okay? Uh, You don't pay me. You put it in the offering box. Okay? So uh, that's it. We are dismissed.